Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful emotional and physical intimacy and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love, sex, relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Hi, that sounds like a good band name. Life, sex, and comics. I like that. (laughs) Well, my comic book is called The Wacky Body Sex, The Wacky Sexy Body Mechanic. And I I owned a coffee shop for five years in downtown Victoria. And one of the people that was a a frequent supporter of our coffee shop owns a, a comic book store here in Victoria called Legends Comic Books. And I took a class with him and, and that's where I, that's where my book came from. Right. And so I had it at the coffee shop and, you know, I had this friend of mine who's in her seventies and she was disgusted. She was like, how could you even have that? And one day, one day she was sitting, having her coffee and reading my comic book and she looked up at me and she said, "Ah, it's not that bad. (laughs) So, you know, it's really great that it was a very small coffee shop. We had about 10 seats. And it, all of the conversations were very intimate yeah. and everybody was allowed to say whatever they needed to say. And we had people from teenagers to um, old retired lawyers and, you know, like just a gamut of people and being able to speak freely about how you feel about sex or don't feel about sex or don't want to yeah. talk about it. or You know, like just having the ability to be whoever you are, however you are, was really great. So yeah, um, we need yeah. more of that. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm a La Leche League leader, so I've been. Um, I don't know if anybody knows what that is. It's a breastfeeding support group that's been around since 1956, and generally the people in our in our realm, we do talk to our children about their body parts as though mm-hmm. they are, you know, the wacky, sexy body mechanic. That is this, and this is the way that it works. And you know, you have penis push-ups, and that's just how your penis works every day. You know, it just does that thing. And yeah, it's, it's totally fine. That's that's just your machinery. You know. So yeah, that's that's what I have to say for now. <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm a big fan of La Leche. I did some work with them when I way back when I was in graduate school. Such an important international organization. But yes, thank you for that. And thanks thanks for weighing in on this conversation and for contributing to the to the open dialogue about this topic because it really does start with us. And I think you make an important point that it's, you know, in small groups, right? It's much easier to talk in a more intimate setting. But we learn, you know, that this is not polite conversation. This is not something, especially for women, nice girls do. Although if you hear a bunch of girlfriends talking to each other about sex, you know, things get extremely raunchy among ourselves. But we all pretend, you know, that we're very... My husband walked into a conversation I was having not long ago with a girlfriend. He was like, whoa, you guys guys get raunchy. But we, but we, but most women don't do that, you know, in public because that's not something nice girls do, which, I mean, not that we have to go around being raunchy all the time, but we certainly should feel comfortable talking about one of the most fundamental, you know, aspects of human nature and the reason we're all here. 
Thank you for right. that. Right. And the other the other thing that I'm passionate about is sex with the community that is having some sort of disability uh -huh. and, and how they manage their sexual relationships in life. Um, I had yeah. a, I had a spinal injury when I was 16. And so, you know, it's like things work a little differently. It's not bad or wrong or whatever. It's just different. Right. And so being OK with yourself and the limitations that you have. Um, sexually is interesting. And then finding out other people that have, I had a friend who was a quadriplegic and, and uh, if I share too much more, everybody will know who it is. So, but you know, the, just their experience in life and how they manage things was very yeah. interesting as well. Yeah. And all the more reason to be able to communicate. I have several friends who work, you know, with, uh, pop, you know, populations that have gone through spinal cord injury or have other disability and, um, that's one of the biggest hurdles is is getting just like everyone else getting them comfortable even talking about this topic and then we can start troubleshooting and accommodating and coming up with solutions so uh it starts with the communication on all fronts thank you for that darlene is jude next jude you know i like this topic laura a lot and i've Good. interviewed quite a few for television and tv talk uh, a lot of uh sex therapist by the way and you don't hear as many maybe it's just i just don't see it because i'm on clubhouse and i don't see what's being promoted on the talk shows but you don't hear a lot about people talking about sex and i had a conversation not too long ago with a psychiatrist friend of mine we were having lunch and and he said that the longer that couples stay away from from having intimacy from making love having sex that then the harder it is to get back to it. It's kind yeah. of like if you haven't done it for a while. Yeah. You know, anything else, if you haven't done it for a while, any habit, going to the gym, any, and not that sex is necessarily a habit, but when you fall out of doing what you'd like to do. And I read, and you may know about this, Laura, that uh, I was reading that during COVID, instead of having people having a lot of intimacy, there was actually less intimacy mm -hmm. because of COVID, because kids were home, there was more responsibility, there wasn't quite the allure. Right, and more stress. Exactly. But here's something cute that I want to leave you with that I, at least I got a kick out of it. It was in the Wall Street Journal about this 83 year old woman went into a sex shop because she wanted to add a little excitement to her life with her lover, her partner. And she said that that no one really wanted to help her, even her girlfriend who went with her to, to help her to, to know what she should be. Be, be purchasing and I got a really big kick out of that because I thought here's a woman who's who's seasoned shall we say at yeah. 83 and she's still looking for ways to spike up her sex life and I thought that was pretty fun to add some absolutely so and I'm leaving that with you Laura okay <laughs> thanks uh yeah I mean I I have a lot of I've had a lot of clients through the years who are in their 80s and want to either spice things up or or getting back out there to speak to your comment around use it or lose it kind of thing. It's not only physiologically, especially for women, we can start to get atrophy in the genital region and sex gets more uncomfortable when we're not kind of keeping the plumbing going with arousal and sexual contact. But also between a couple, you know, it's sort of like this valley builds when you haven't been sexual in a long time and it can feel hard to cross that valley. But I also agree that it, you know, it, you make an important point around comfort with talking about sex and the media's influence it's always ironic to me that you see sex all over television you know and explicit sex scenes on primetime television shows but on talk shows and news shows they barely scrape the surface and when i've 
done. I mean, I remember years ago, I was doing something around female sexual dysfunction, like challenges women face physiologically from a sexual standpoint. And I was going on the NBC Nightly News to talk, they wanted to talk about it. But the producer beforehand told me, and I've heard this many times, actually, that I couldn't say orgasm on television. And I couldn't say vagina. And I said, okay, well, can I say penis? Oh, yes, you can say penis, but you can't say vagina. And then the orgasm thing, I remember doing a show about a a segment about arousal aids, but I couldn't say orgasm. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to call it? And they said, I don't know, that special place that a woman gets to. So, yeah, I couldn't even say that. I mean, I couldn't even allude to it because they're so... Because they're so scared of, you know, losing advertisers or offending someone. And it's like a self-propagating thing. Well, first and foremost, um, I would, I just was curious about this, but I'm now fascinated with this conversation. Um, (laughs) Yes, it's, it's more than 30 years in financial services. In fact, I'll actually be on a podcast tomorrow, certainly not talking about this particular topic, (laughs) but I did learn today a couple of things. And I also wanted to talk about the fact that I'll be turning 70 next year. um, And I'm, and so we bring a wealth of experience, good and bad. But today I learned uh, a couple of things that I think is important. Uh, One is to appreciate the unique, the unique value a human can bring. Uh, I never really thought about that that much. And to also be curious, but the two things that I I've learned in my almost 70 years that we never talked about, and I wish they would have, uh, was the two M's, menopause and masturbation. (laughs) You're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you for agreeing. So um, when I was taught about, um, you know, uh, all the things that we can do wonderfully in terms of experiencing your body, your first sex opportunity, your first boyfriend, the one thing that they failed to bring up in the conversation was menopause. Yeah. And I can't stand gravity. I'll take that all the time. And what they don't explain to you is what happens to your body. As Mm -hmm. time goes on, Um, obviously, we live in a very uh, cosmetic world. Um, I know I'm very suspect to it. I love cosmetics. I love to look good all the time. But the one thing I cannot change is gravity. And as as my body changed, to be perfectly frank with this group, I not only could not accept it for a long period of time. It affected my level of professional confidence. Yeah. It affected my social well-being and everything that I thought about myself. So I really wish someone would have said, you know, when you turn whatever age uh, it is, your body is going to change. Well, what changes was were what I was supposed to expect? I didn't realize the droopiness, the dryness, and all the discomfort they uh-huh. should have. Mm -hmm. included that in the conversation. Um, So I'm thinking, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. And just recently, and I was with a group of friends, I said, you know, I don't look the way I feel. Um, You know, obviously I'm going to be turning 70. So for the first time, and I know nothing about it other than going into a doctor's office, I said, you know, I'm going to find out about a vaginal rejuvenation. No, don't do it. All right. Well, there you go. All right. So let me just stop you right there, because what you're saying is so important um, for a couple of reasons. One, you're absolutely right. I mean, my first book, actually, that I've written nine, 
My first book was called For Women Only, and it was addressing all the medical and physical, you know, it was mind body, but for the first time it was really addressing, no one, you know, no one really addressed the medical or physical causes of sexual issues in women. And obviously menopause, which I wrote a tremendous amount about, is one of the primary medical or physiologic reasons why women struggle with sexual response dryness, difficulty getting aroused, and then, of course, are the body image issues that evolve for all of us, uh, men and women, you know, but especially women, since we have a, uh, you know, men seem to be seen as sexier and debonair often as they age, you know, and women, (laughs) not so much. I think that's more of a commentary on the power structure of our society than anything else. And I also have been noticing a shift over time as more and more older actresses and models are saying, oh no, like we baby boomers are not, you know, going to pretend we don't exist anymore after 50, especially when we have another 50 years of a healthy, active lifestyle. And you're not going to tell us, you know, that only a woman who looks like she's in her twenties genitally and physically from the outside is attractive. We're not going to accept that anymore. And it really does start with us even more than it does. Cause I guarantee you, any partner you're with is not analyzing your droopy labia, you know, that gravity might have taken a toll on. Only you are worried about that. And and the sensation and the arousal is still there. You may need some hormonal support. You may need added lubrication. You know, there, there, there are medical interventions you can do to support uh, your changing body. But I am a huge naysayer to vaginal rejuvenation, and they prey on people just like you, Kina, who think that they're not desirable anymore because their genitals don't look like a 20-year-old airbrushed picture on, you know, on in a magazine or online. And the truth is those surgeries are cutting into tissue that is piled to the rim with nerve endings and blood vessels that are central to your sexual function. And when they go in and cut and tuck, I can't tell you how many women have come into my office now struggling with pain, severe pain. They can't even have intercourse or dryness. And it's also doing a surgery that, it, that you know, very likely is going to interrupt whatever arousal you have left, not to mention a totally unnecessary surgery um, because you're the only one that sees it or thinks, you know, I remember this crazy woman. I mean, she's, she wasn't a patient of mine, but this crazy woman talking to me on the street once about this. And she said, she said, I have droopy labia. And I said, well, how do you even know you have droopy labia? Because when you're lying down or when you're looking at your, she said, I put a mirror on the floor and stood over it and saw that gravity had happened. And then I later found out that this is a really common occurrence. Maybe you've even done this. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, so how often are you standing? I mean, I know you may, I'm just going to be frank or perhaps maybe you'll sit on someone's face, but how long, how often are you standing over someone's face? You know what I mean? Where they have a bird's like a, a perfect view. Like they don't, you're either lying down or you're on your, you know, They aren't seeing the effects of gravity on your labia. So do not cut those beautiful things. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, mine's, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm totally obsessed with it. And I look at it nightly. And I don't have, and, and I don't have, I, I don't ask my husband to hold the mirror up. I figured out a way that I can look yeah. at it all by myself. Um, but yes, nightly before I go to bed, Aww, I have. That makes me so sad. <laughs> See, I think this is about something else. You're, you're channeling all of your fears about aging to your poor little genitals. <laughs> And and making that the litmus of your desirability as a woman and a human being. And, you know, I, I assume since you're with a husband, it's men who you're attracted to. And I can tell you that what is, you know, I'm not a man myself, but I certainly talk extensively. And maybe some of the guys can weigh in as you come up here and, and confirm or deny this. But what's most attractive to, me, to men is that sense of confidence and comfort a woman has in her own body and her sexuality. And they are not analyzing the length of your labia or how they're sticking out or not sticking out. And I encourage you to go and check out um, even on Instagram, I follow this this woman. I just let me see if I can find her as I talk to you. But um, she posts uh, photos, uh, not photos, paintings. But she takes real pictures that people send her of all kinds of genitals. Because believe me, if you look at what genitals af- actually look like, they are all different sizes, shapes, textures, colors, and she paints them. And her whole <laughs> Instagram profile is one kind of genital after another. And you will see that you are trying to match an ideal that no one ever would hold you to. And I think you're, my sense is that it's really not even about your genitals. It's just that your genitals are the ones that are, are getting the um, brunt of your resistance to getting older. And what I would encourage you to do is instead of cutting into your erectile tissue in your genitals and doing potential damage to maybe do some real soul work and personal growth work around staying juicy and sexy and gorgeous from the inside out at any age, because we really can. We may not look like a 20-year-old anymore, but we're not supposed to. And that doesn't make us any less desirable or any less sexual or any less capable of enjoying sex. In fact, even more so because we've lived much longer. We've had a lot more experience. And if we allow ourselves and do the work to really embrace our bodies and ourselves, then we're more comfortable in our bodies than the 20 year old who's got the genitals, you know, that you may be thinking you're supposed to have. Thank you. I'm uh, obviously I don't want to monopolize. (laughs) And this is this is great. This is sage advice, and I truly appreciate it. So I'll wait to next time that you get together uh, to talk about more of masturbation. Oh yeah, we have to talk about masturbation. We'll do that. Maybe it'll come up later, but yeah, we'll we'll get to masturbation. Thank you. I just want to take a little segue here and talk about an important issue that I find 
really affects women's lives and the people who love them. And it's something not talked about nearly enough. Millions of women, so many of them, struggle with chronic UTIs, urinary tract infections. And it can happen due to all sorts of reasons, menopause, pregnancy, other hormonal changes, other factors, but it can drastically and negatively impact your interest in sex, as well as your enjoyment. And, you know, the most common prescriptions doctors will give you to avoid them is peeing after sex and lots of cranberry juice, which can help, but certainly often is not enough. And Eucora, this company I've discovered, has a UTI relief products that will help you address the UTI symptoms until you're able to go see a doctor. But they also have a proactive urinary tract health supplement line that helps you maintain a healthy urinary tract and avoid those infections. So get proactive about your urinary tract health with Eucora. And right now, Eucora is offering 20% off when you go to eucora.com slash love. But hurry, because it's a limited time offer. Go to eucora.com slash love to get 20% off your order. That's U-Q-O-R-A dot com slash love. Super excited, Dr. Laura Berman, to be speaking to you today. Yeah. Uh, following from uh, yeah the Oprah years and hearing you reference that um, is really validating and just knowing uh, this journey uh, that we're on. Uh, my comments are going to be around Tina talking about, you know, the the aging and, and sexuality. Yeah. And so I just really, um, I am a midlife mom. It's how I describe myself. I just turned mm-hmm. 55. I've been in a marriage for now almost 30 years. We're 29 years. So when we talk about sex frequency and how often it should be happening, I mean, I've seen droughts as it relates to that, you know, and what I'm excited about, though, right now is you you've hit on it about kind of owning our power. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about these books that you're sharing, because that is truly the season I'm in. Uh, and rekindling, reclaiming uh, uh, my own power and then recognizing that a lot of the, the intimacy, the creativity, the ability to release and let go is all was all within me. You know, yes. it was my power and it was for me to design that so that I can be more receptive and more open to my partner and uh, more receiving. And so I'm just excited about the life's journey um, and the opportunity to to see intimacy happen in different ways. And it's a lot of mental. <laughs> it has been yes. a lot of mental for me lately. It, it really is. And I love that you brought that up. And I remember meeting, I was talking to this Chinese medicine doctor and he was, something about menopause came up and he said, you know, you know why menopause is, the transition is so tough. Uh, and I said, why? You know, I was curious what his take on it was. And he said, well, the chi, which is, you know, in Chinese medicine, the life force, a woman's chi, her entire life, the, you know, that travels through the meridians, the life force that's traveling, that enervates us, that creates energy and creativity and sexual energy. That's all flowing toward our womb our uterus, those meridians there. And when we go through the menopausal transition, the transition is actually the chi changing directions so that now it's feeding the entire body and traveling not all centralized around the womb, but all over the body. And then that's why, you know, older women and menopausal women in every indigenous culture and in our culture as well, before 
farming came hundreds of years ago, women, as we passed that uh, menopausal transition, that's when we became the wise women. That's when we became, you know, we were no longer focused on raising children, small children, and we now have our, have lived so much and have so much wisdom gained that we start to not only share that wisdom with those who are younger than us, um, but also share that with the world. And our creativity and our sexuality absolutely come from the same place. I have zero doubt about that from doing this work for 25 years or more now. I think that you're spot on that this actually, I'm really interested and have been spending a lot of time trying to teach women. And I'm also perimenopausal myself. I haven't gone through the transition, but I'm getting up there and, you know, I'm having some of the symptoms that I'm learning to manage physically as well as emotionally. But I can tell you that I'm really interested in helping women understand what a powerful, enervating, freeing and exciting time this can be. You're not worried about getting pregnant. You're, you have much less responsibility. You have so much more flexibility. You have an empty nest in many cases where you don't have to worry about kids and all the errands and them walking in or finding the time. You know, you, you may be slowing down, hopefully, if you can, in the work. You may be reinventing yourself. You know, there is, I think retirement is becoming a thing of the past in the sense that we, retirement really means working for joy, you know, rather than just for the paycheck. And so I think there's so many beautiful opportunities to make this transition a, a and I keep saying juicy because it feels like we I, a, equate menopause with drying up, you know, and it's not. It can be the most juicy, beautiful, creative, productive, sensual, sexual time of your life. And certainly one of the most empowering. So I, I love your I love your take on it, uh, Cynthia. And I say keep going. We'll keep the conversation going too, and and listen to those podcasts because you will. It'll be right up your alley. I have the books, and I'm certainly going to be listening to the podcast. And juicy yes. is an that's a a wonderful word. Um, and I just want to share that healthy lubes <laughs> may yes. help too. Yes. So as that you know that woman who was going into the store and didn't know what to look for. Yeah. Uh, just recently, and my husband was very excited, and he probably he was probably shocked to hear me say, "I think I could have sex every day because this is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> CBD infused lube and it's you just know great. I I actually have a product that I created with my friend who does you know these sorts of she makes these potions and lotions and things and it's called Yoni Silk and it is um, a f organic fractionated coconut oil with Damiana and CBD in it and it is amazing. Um, but even just using organic coconut oil, you know, you got to be really careful what you put there. A lot of the lubricants that out, are out there have preservatives or chemicals in them. And your genitals are mucous membranes, which means whatever gets put there goes directly into your bloodstream. So whatever you're using, make sure that it is organic and all natural. Shopify won't let me won't let people sell anything nationally or internationally with CBD in it. So I had to take it down. But if you DM me on any of my social media platforms, I'll get it for you. But, you know, if you're using condoms still, if you're, if you're, you know, practicing safer sex or you use condoms as, as birth control, you don't want to use an oil-based lubricant because that can break down the integrity of the latex. But otherwise, assuming you're not allergic to coconuts, the best, I'm telling you, the best 
just the organic coconut oil that you cook with um, is one of the best lubricants I've been able to find. Um, but what you're looking for in the stores are things with basically ingredients you recognize and, you know, you can, you can pronounce and that your grandmother would cook with, you know, and, or maybe not the CBD, but you know what I'm saying? Um, and that, um, so, you know, things that don't have a lot of scent in them or sugar, any kind of sugar product can cause urinary tract infections. And a lot of those edible things that they sell in the stores have sugar in them or chemicals in them that make them sweet. So just keep it as simple as possible. Okay, Laura, I'm a very big <laughs> fan and, and love, uh, I've watched you on many a shows uh, from Sydney, Australia. And uh, um, it's funny you should say that Eva's going, my wife's going through, I think, menopause too. And uh, yeah, I love the advice that you said and pity that Australia can't get CBD um, we're trying to, I'm trying to develop some products in the, in the lolly and edibles, but yeah, yeah just, I'll DM you if you don't mind. And I'm more than happy to send, send you some just for, but just for shits and giggles. Um, Crohn's, <laughs> um, it was an old confection of many, many years ago. It's yeah. K-R-O-N-S, isn't it? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little girl at the time, but I remember going in that chocolate factory and all the things my, and my dad also used to get ants and make him make chocolate covered ants, which was really gross. But I had an unusual childhood, but uh, that's a story for another day. (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me. It's Andrea. Dr. Laura is a big fan. Super excited to hear, you know, you on on, uh, TikTok, on Clubhouse. (laughs) And I just wanted to say, I love the advice that you've been giving out. I am divorced and just out of a two-year, you know, divorce and then in a relationship of two and a half years. And that's just over. However, perimenopausal. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, dating now is going to be a little different, I think. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a little different. Not really sure what to expect. And mm-hmm. uh, but I have been listening to what you've said and um, the books that you've referenced, and I'm definitely going to listen to the podcast. But just wanted to say, you know, thank you for all this advice for women, you know, my age who are going through this because we need yeah. to hear this because we don't hear it. So I just want to just give my thanks. Yeah, and if you can get, they even make, um, and I actually am looking for someone to make suppositories, vaginal suppositories, because I've had a lot of women say that when they're single and dating, and especially if they're in their late 30s or early 40s when this is happening, and especially if they're dating younger people, they shouldn't be, but they are self-conscious about pulling out the lube, you know? And so I like the idea of, of lubricant suppositories that you can just sort of pop in there and they melt, you know, and then you're lubricated for the next few hours. Isn't that a good idea? But, um, I think, I, you know, I think Johnson and Johnson actually may make one, but it's not organic. But the other nice thing is that the studies have shown even with menopausal women, who are well into menopause and really experiencing dryness, when they have a new partner that they're excited about and into, they actually lubricate. So <laughs> so at least the first couple of times until you get to know the person, you probably won't have a problem. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, There's uh, hope. <laughs> yeah. Just keep jumping from person relationship to no, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna need lube the next time I can't see you again. 
<laughs> or just claim it and be because I really think it's something that all women, even younger women, really enjoy. It you don't have to have dryness to enjoy lubrication, so or extra lubrication. So, um, you know, I think it's really about how you present it and your own comfort level with it and your own confidence that really makes a difference. For sure. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I can Thank give you. a tip. That just having a glass of water beside your bed with a little bit of olive oil dropped on the top. So, and then you put your hand into it and it just puts a, just the right amount. Oh, on. That's a good idea. <laughs> because that's sometimes really you want stinky. a little bit more friction, right? You want just a little bit more friction. But wait, right? Darlene, are you saying that you don't tell them? You just say, you just pretend it's water and that you're being like really sexy dipping your fingers in the water and dribbling it over your genitals, but it's actually water with some olive oil in it? <laughs> well, no, I've always been married to the people I've been having sex with. <laughs> well, well, at least for the last 40 years, you know. So. Well, Andrea, I think you could do that as like a, a secret, you know what I mean, if you didn't or, want him or, to know. Or what I used to do is I used to go into the bathroom and lube myself up before I went into the bedroom. This is when I was dating <laughs> when I was dating my husband, and then I would just get on top of him and you know like slide on, and it was yeah. just lovely. You All know? right, so, good, so good that's tips. an option too. Yep, I, tips, I really, Darlene. I really like the idea of the secret, just kind of like playing yeah. with it, being sexy with the water splashing on his face, and just yeah, like, you know, and then it'll be <laughs> like, oh, it's. Very olive scented. <laughs> Is that oregano? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like that. After a spaghetti dinner, it all works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, oh, I have something. I have something. So, so, so blood as lube is an interesting experience when you're going through menopause. And for other people that have a lot of bleeding issues, it's one of the things I, it was actually a topic in my comic book because I happened to be going through menopause as I was doing the comic book. I'm done now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I was bleeding because lube was getting kind of weird and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So, so when I was having my period, I would just use that for lube and that actually worked really, really well, you know, once the cramps are done and all that. So that, yeah. and that's a taboo subject to talk about. Yeah, Most sex during your period, a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, that, that is a taboo subject, but it is a good lubricant, that's for sure. Yep. Um, yep. And in menopause and perimenopause, a lot of women start spotting. And so if they're trying not to have sex during their period, it can be kind of hard to, you know, your period gets irregular. I would say the, uh, you know, the two keys that I think, well, three things that I think menopausal women need to address to optimize just the physiologic aspects of sex. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about all the stuff we were talking about emotionally and empowering and all those other things that are as or more important. But, you know, to, to get sexually aroused, you need blood flow and nerve stimulation, basically. And that comes from stimulation to the genitals, you know, emotional stimulation and blood flow, right? So as the hormones start to diminish, the blood flow diminishes and that's what actually to the genitals and that's actually what causes the dryness to happen. So the things that really help are lubricants, obviously, uh, that we've been talking about becoming friends with a vibrator because you you often need added stimulation in order to reach orgasm because sensation-wise, especially as our testosterone declines and even the, blood, the estrogen that causes the blood flow declines, 
then it takes longer to get aroused. The sensation is a little less. And so I always tell my over 35 and certainly over 40 women and their partners, embrace the little baby vibrator that can fit in between the two of you or a hands-free vibrator that your partner can wear for direct clitoral stimulation, either as part of foreplay or during intercourse. And it really helps with arousal and orgasm and having simultaneous orgasm for any age, obviously, but certainly for your over 40s. So lubricant, added stimulation, lots more foreplay. Um, and, you know, from a hormonal perspective, there have been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of controversy, I would say, over the past 20 years about are hormones safe or not safe. There was a big study that came out in the early 2000s, the Women's Health Initiative, that put the kibosh on all hormones and they became bad and evil and cancer causing. And most general pre- doctors and gynecologists won't touch them really other than a few uh, synthetic versions, pharmaceutical versions. But even then, they make you sign your life away in case you get cancer. But if you really dig into the research, a lot of that research that they use, you know, that that caused so much fear is really flawed. I'm not going to get into all the reasons why. But, you know, I'm not an MD, I'm a PhD. But what I do know, having shepherded as many women through this and going through it myself, is that there is a lot to be said for what's called bioidentical hormone therapy. So those are hormones that are still made in a lab, but they are made from natural sources and they can be compounded in a way where you're getting the smallest amount of whatever specific hormones you're lacking, you know, and they slowly titrate up until your symptoms alleviate the dryness. You know, the symptoms of low testosterone would be low desire, difficulty, you know, low sensation in the nipples and genitals, less intense orgasms, less energy, weight gain, and less of sort of a joy in life, you know, mild depression, not depression, depression, but just feeling kind of blah. And the symptoms of low estrogen, you know, is dryness and arousal issues and progesterone, a lot of sleep, and moodiness, estrogen and testosterone play a role in the moodiness as well. And um, so bioidentical hormones, if you go to someone who specializes in that, can really alleviate, especially during the menopausal transition. So I think that's something that isn't talked about enough as well. Love being here and love being with all of you um, and the organic nature by which these conversations unfold. And I think that's really the crux of it, that, that there's a collective consciousness and we're all struggling with the same thing. We all go through ebbs and flows, no matter what our gender or biology is. We all go through ebbs and flows in our sex lives, in our sexual response, in our sexual experience. We all have our big T or little T trauma, you know, and it's really about opening the conversation and letting go of of that which holds us back from being authentic and honest, because it's only then that we can start, you know, not until we ask the question, can we find the answer? So hopefully we'll be able to help find the answers and continue to find the answers together, loving and learning to love and be loved better. And I guess we'll see you next week. Thanks for everything. This was great.